Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 35 for Friday, July 6th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Alex Rudy. How you doing, man? I'm doing swell. I was happy to see that today no New York Giant blew his hand off in a fireworks accident, so that's always uh, good to hear for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, that maybe possibly obscure reference. One of the Giants' best players, Jason Pierre-Paul, blew up his hand on July 4th, like three years ago, and forever uh, affected his career dramatically. So, well, that's, a, know, gr- always... that's a grim way to wish everybody a happy belated 4th of July, but... I'm just looking out for everyone's safety. So. Yes. Yes. Fireworks are dangerous. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Um, but we are here to talk about talk about baseball. That it is it was very obscure. I did not know that that fun fact about July Fourth. But we have moved past the uh, the American holiday. Um, some good baseball on that day. I don't know why the Red Sox play at like eleven o'clock eastern time every year on that day but um it's nice to have baseball all day long through there and um we have both actually been on vacation for a little while so it's good to get back into things here and uh we've got a lot to talk about today we're going to talk about uh the new star child of the mlb we're going to talk about some some quirky plays that happened uh the past week or so we're going to talk about the coveted returns of a couple other major rookies and we'll do we'll have a little fun with um with some mid-season stats because it's that time of year the all-star game coming up quick uh just a lot of stuff today and um we'll get right into it here so first of all this was very recent this happened today the miami marlins who are in town in washington dc to play the nationals uh, looked like they had a pretty easy win ahead of them with a 9-0 lead in the fourth inning against the Nationals. And um, that didn't last very long at all. They, The Nationals proceeded to score 14 unanswered runs. 14 unanswered runs against the Marlins. Ended up winning the game 14-12. to What's up? That ain't good. That ain't good. Uh, Trey Turner was pretty good. He had a two-homer game with eight RBI. It's good to see him getting it together. And I think the best part about this, you know, obviously huge comeback victories are exciting. A little less so because the Marlins, and it's almost expected at this point. But a Twitter account that is titled Did the Marlins Win? which basically tweets, did the Marlins win? Of course, pretty straightforward. There's a bunch of accounts of that nature. Uh, Proclaimed that, yes, indeed, the Marlins won the game in, like, the fourth inning. Big mistake there. Um, Definitely jinxed it. So if you're looking for somebody to blame, I don't think you can blame the Marlins pitchers for that one. I think you have to blame this this random Twitter account. So we just had to clear that up. You can never count the Marlins in. Yes, yes, that should be a saying. I don't know why it's not. And it's funny that we talk about the Marlins as being the worst team around. They're pretty bad, but still not the worst this year. There are worse teams in baseball, surprisingly. Um, And we like to check in with them every now and then. The Marlins have 36 wins. They are not the worst team in baseball. 
The Orioles, Royals, White Sox all have worse records than the Marlins. And the, the Mets actually have fewer wins, but a better win percentage. So Marlins, we give you a lot of a lot of crap. These other teams should take a lot more of a beating, but we don't have the the time and energy to just spread so much negativity about bad teams. We're going to go ahead and talk about something positive, something happy, something that everybody that mild even mildly enjoys this game should be thrilled to know. And it's that the new star child of Major League Baseball has arrived. And no, it is not Mike Trout. It's not Bryce Harper. It's not Shohei Otani. Not Ronald Acuna. It is Williams Astudio, who you may have heard of, but this is definitely a little bit more of an obscure player who, you know, casual fans definitely would not know about. This is a Minnesota Twins utility player who was called up uh, last week by the Twins for the first time as a pretty lengthy minor league career, the Phillies for a good chunk of it. And with the Twins right now, made his major league debut, did pretty well. He got a single on the first pitch that he saw, which is very fitting considering the type of player he is. Some people would describe him as the guy to break the three true outcomes trend for good. I mean, not for good, but basically the anti three true outcomes player. He, in his minor league career, has had 2,342 plate appearances. That actually includes his brief stint in the majors now, 14 plate appearances. Over 2,300 plate appearances and only 76 strikeouts. That is minuscule, if you did not already get that. And 80 walks to go along with that. So he does not walk, he does not strike out, but he does hit. He's a career 309 hitter in the minor leagues. And this year even added a little bit of power has seven homers, has six stolen bases, which is even more incredible because I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. He is listed as five foot nine, two hundred twenty-five pounds, and I will say that is definitely a generous listing in either direction there, because you know he lo- he looks like a combination of Jose Altuve and Bartolo Colon in the best possible way. He's delightfully athletic for. The kind of build he has and he debuted by playing left field and moving to center field i do believe that he is the first five foot nine 225 pound center fielder to ever play in the big leagues i think that's safe to say but um there's so many just so many fun things with this guy and i know that you are not really familiar with him before just introduced him to you at in preparing for this podcast do you have any thing to say about the the new most interesting player in baseball williams ostudio well his big theme should definitely be a stud for sure yes and um i mean he seems like the next great cult meme player uh i'm really glad to hear that um once our great friend portolo eventually retires in 60 years that will have a replacement <laughs> um cheer for and root for and um you know what i think just you know uh 
keep kind of handling the analytics side. But it's important to know that this is where I think for true baseball fans, what makes Buse baseball beautiful is the supreme Christian men like um, a stud who, you know, pure through pure skill kind of succeed um, regardless of their athletic abilities and um, even their adoration to the strategies and philosophies that the modern game preach necessarily more just doing what they know they're good at and sticking to it and adjusting slowly but surely to eventually make it to the top level and I'll be rooting for him and uh, I think Mickey also knows better be watching out because this guy kind of looks like his you know like doppelganger except if he was a uh, you know, had, like, the personality of, like, uh, Ichiro, that's probably too much. Maybe the personality of, like, uh, um... I'm a little lost, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, he looks like Miguel Sano, kind of. They both play for the Twins. I... I Miguel Sano uh... has issues and has been disappointing, whereas this guy's a career minor leaguer who plays nine positions, and instead of striking out all the time, is and hitting for power only is complete opposite. So I don't really see the Miguel Sano visual comp. I that it seems like a stretch. Um, the that point aside though, um, in case you're wondering about his MLB stats so far, five for fourteen with a triple so far. This guy hit a triple, which is just even it's just so delightful. You, you kind of really have to see him play. To really appreciate just just the the magnitude of what he's doing and how impressive it really is. So we've spent a lot of time talking about Williams Ostudio, but rightfully so because he deserves all the time in the world. Effectively, Wild talks about him all the time. He is he has been on the radar for a very long time there, but he should slowly creep onto everybody's radar. And I do kind of wonder just his hand-eye coordination must be incredible i want to see if he's ever taken one of those like hand-eye coordination value like examinations that I, I some big league teams do for their their prospects or in their scouting process his hand-eye coordination must be impeccable so i'm very interested in seeing if anything comes of that but uh i think now would be a good time to move on we will we will return to you our star child. Uh, let's talk about a lot of other really, really unexpected and interesting things that happened recently. So first of all, let's talk about pitchers hitting because it shouldn't exist. It shouldn't happen because they're just so bad at it now. And the DH seems to be doing wonders in the American League anyway. You know, as a fan of an AL team primarily, it looks... Like, there are no hitches with that at all. But if this were the case, then we would not get to see John Lester hit a home run. John Lester, who I believe, I'm looking this up now, started his career off with the most played appearances without getting a hit. Ever. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Not even just for pitchers. Um, I'm going to look up his his batting statistics now. I do know that he got his first 
major league hit with the Cubs, or, you know, first major league hit um, in 2015, I believe, right? And he has been a notoriously bad hitter in his career. It was late in the year. I think it was 60-plus at-bats before he got a hit, which is, you know, really bad. He has no business hitting a major league home run, but he did off of Lance Lynn, who has also been quite terrible this year. I don't know if you had the same reaction, but watching John Lester hit an opposite field home run, I was just blown away. What did did you see it? What what did you think about this when you saw it? Um, I almost felt like I was watching him pick someone off. To be quite honest, it would have been more impressive if he did that. Because it's kind of amazing. I think you often forget that in the end, a lot of these guys are still world class athletes, which I think kind of ties into what we were just talking about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're a stud, obviously. I think that, and we'll kind of probably get into this more in a bit, I really think this is why I don't believe that both leagues should have. DH or both leash of um, pitchers hit because you know when you have both ways like this you really have the best of both worlds in my opinion and I kind of love that that's the way it is maybe I'm one of the few people who is neither a DH purist or a pitcher uh, hitting purist I just kind of like having you know my cake and eating it too because you know if John Lester never went to the National League we never would have got to see him um hit a home run and somehow be better at that than um, practicing a move that they teach you um, in Little League. So, Well, I do think he has more Major League pickoffs than home runs still. But, yeah, it's amazing. You talk about it. World-class oh. athletes. And then you have John Lester, who is a world-class pitcher but has these serious hiccups in, other as- in this one other major aspect of his game, and that's controlling base running. And then... Also with the hitting, like we mentioned, probably the most unlikely home run candidate of this season. The most unlikely. I don't think you can name somebody who is less likely that would have gotten any sort of major league at-bats. And also, I guess on a on a minor note to John Lester kind of having one of the best years of his career. Just one pitcher of the month for June. And... I did not see that coming, I must say. It looked like he was trending downward after a 433 ERA last year, um, and that was, you know, kind of precedented by his his FIP, and it still is. His FIP is above 4, but he is somehow managing a 225 ERA in 100 innings, and can't explain it at all. There's There's no sort of explanation for why he's doing it it's he's been fortunate and the cubs as usual play very good defense and they seem to be rolling with it so john lester having himself a great year made even better by his first career home run Uh, we'll keep moving things along here michael lorenzen who is a pitcher who is more notorious for his bat he's he might be considered the uh the shohei otani before shohei otani because he really was proficient with a bat. And the reason he is getting talked about now is that he hit 
three home runs in three consecutive at-bats as a relief pitcher entering the game. That is something I have never heard of before. And apparently, I don't remember exactly where I saw this, this is not the first time a pitcher has homered in three consecutive at-bats, which is crazy to me. You know, even before when pitchers were a little bit better. So if that if that is true, then that's really impressive. But Michael Lorenzen, his, you know, he's he's kind of a different breed of of pitcher hitter combination. He has five career home runs. Three of them came this year, obviously in the same week. Um, but you know, two sixty seven batting average, and a in a two ninety on base percentage, or you know, nothing to praise from a normal player but a 550 slugging percentage how about that that's pretty good his uh his ops for this season by the way sitting at 2.482 2482 for michael lorenzen this year and a in a 537 ops plus to boot so how about that um hopefully those numbers stay up there so you know that's just kind of another thing to note we we don't have to to talk about the whole DH pitcher thing yet again, but he definitely earned his way into this conversation as well. Um, and you know we're just gonna stay on the theme of just world class athlete pitchers with Vince Velasquez of the Phillies, who made what might be the most impressive play on a baseball field I've ever seen, and that is not something that I say. You know, that, I, that I take lately you know this is a serious statement after taking a comebacker line drive off of his right elbow his pitching elbow obviously in pain as soon as it happens but jumps off the mound to retrieve the ball makes a perfect throw to first base with his left hand drops the glove as soon as he gets hit picks it up with the le- his left hand fires a bullet to gun out Adam Eaton who if you didn't know kind of fast so vince velasquez ambidextrous play he is an ambidextrous person i believe which kind of explains a little more of these things not a two-way pitcher necessarily but i do believe that he is ambidextrous in in life so if there's any sort of justification it would be that but still one of the most impressive things i've ever seen on a field could you imagine doing something like that in, in your current state, Rudy? <laughs> Only my dreams. I don't even think I'd have the creativity to, to dream up a play like that. That was unbelievable. You, you, you saw it, right? Did you have a similar reaction? Absolutely speechless. But you know what? It's been a crazy baseball season. It almost feels like something happens every day. It's just like, oh, well, that happened. It, yeah, it really has been filled with just delightfully strange plays and stats it's 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 just a paradise for for fans like us who really like to dig deeper into this game um and you know of course everything else has been great too so we'll move away from kind of the wacky things that have happened for a little bit here oh we'll get back to some other wacky things that have happened don't you worry but we're gonna go ahead and talk briefly about Shohei Otani 
returning to the Angels lineup as a hitter only. He is not going to pitch probably at all this year. But that is speculation because I do not know what the Angels are doing with his elbow. But he is going to hit. And for how long remains to be seen, but he's back. Ronald Acuna also back for the Braves. These two were expected to run away with the rookie of the year. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. There are a couple different frontrunners in each league, being Glaber, Glaber Torres for the Yankees in the American League and Juan Soto for the Nationals in the National League. So, Otani, Acuna, still incredibly important young players to their teams. Do you... Well, let's start with Otani. Let's take it one at a time. Do you think that him focusing primarily on hitting now will you know, benefit him in any way? It's really hard to ask a question regarding that because, of course, we want to see him do both. But just in terms of development and focus and... I don't know. It's really hard to gauge at this point. Tell me what you think about Otani as just a hitter going forward. I think as long as it doesn't affect the rehab process, I'm 100% for him just being a hitter. I always thought he had the talent to be just a hitter in the major leagues anyways. It obviously diminishes his peak you know, potential as a hitter. I'm not saying he'll always exclusively be a hitter, but just for the sake of argument, he's obviously not scope of the player he like pr- promised mm-hmm. but he's obviously a major league class hitter already and I would say I've been more um, not actually impressed I think the pitching has been more impressive but I've been more satisfied with his hitting quality probably than his pitching quality I think his hitting quality is more major league daily career ready than his understandably still a little bit raw for their that um, for the starting pitching, you know, top level that we all expect to eventually, hopefully, reach. Um, so I think he'll be still obviously very valuable to the Angels in that way. And I think for him, he's such a young player; it definitely can't hurt for him to get reps on a daily basis and concentrate on his hitting, um, is, is versus just you know sitting on the bench. Uh, but I don't think it's worthwhile for the Angels to chase this. Um, if it in any way inhibits his arm, um, I don't think this year is going to be their year. Being a marriage collapse that, in a sense, does feel inevitable, and an Angels upsurge that, however, seems equally seems much, you know, seems pretty unlikely at this point. Um, not to get too much tangent, not to you know rant too much about this, but my my major thought about this is that. I don't really believe in the whole way the Angels honestly handle these arm injuries. I think they should just give him the Tommy John and be done with him, move on, and have him back at it. Um, but it's, I guess it's too late for that now, since if you have a display in the season, you're likely to miss a whole other season in addition. Um, I don't know. It might be time just to take the sun cost for the betterment of his value, because... I don't really think this whole rehab um, ligament damage thing ever really works. I don't think it worked for Garrett Richards. Um, I you don't didn't, think you don't for, trust the plasma? Not for this. I just don't think that's how, from what my understanding of ligament damage, I, I just don't think realistically it's the permanent solution that really gets you uh, anywhere. I don't think, you can't just agree with me, Tanaka's never been the same. 
since he first had that micro tear four or five years ago now. Um, I thought, honestly, if the Angels were really pragmatic and smart, they would have had a Tommy John when they first signed him. But well, you know, the, it's it's so hard to say. We know, we know so little, really, in the, in the grand scheme of just the severity of everything. And it doesn't, you know, you can't expect major league teams to be transparent with the fans because there's no there's no benefit to any to them for doing such a thing. And I do agree with you that it does seem that they're just trying to prolong a a long-term rehab or permanent solution in Tommy John if it comes to that. They just want him for this year cuz I think the Angels think they are legitimately contending this season. They cannot be trying to waste Mike Trout's time with the Angels as clear as that's been for years now and I they must believe that Otani will be a very beneficial DH for them and I think he can be and then moving from that offseason on if he does have to miss the 2019 season um, and hopefully be ready for the, the start of 2020 if they do decide to go with Tommy John that seems like the play for them right now so you know what I will admit just being at Richard's stats they're probably as good as he's ever been in his career. But I don't think, so maybe my initial reaction to your injury management procedures are as premature. But one, I don't think he had UCL damage. I think he had a different injury. Yeah, it is certainly correct? a case-by-case basis. Dude, there is no, you cannot deny this, you know, if that was a premature judgment on my part, the Angels training staff is awful in general. Yeah, this that year, that's a pretty good argument to make. It, it could cool. just be insane amounts of bad luck but come on especially with pitchers yeah pitchers hurt always this is not a new thing it's not just this year it is really bad right now but it's not new i mean look at andrew and tyler skag those guys were supposed to be like consistent aces like three years ago they pitched like games a year not to get so like you know um ranty and extreme but no do it i I, like it they're their care of his arm. That's just my gut reaction on it. I don't see any evidence that should give me confidence in their diagnosis and their way of handling the situation. They, I would love them to prove me wrong because I, there's no one, honestly, that's on the case that wants to succeed more than Otani, except for maybe Ichiro. And my last stimulus, we could finally move on because I know we're spending a lot of time on this, is that I want to amazing Japanese restaurant in Santa Barbara two nights ago. Did you meet Shohei Otani? Well, my, that's what I'm going to get you. So my family told the waiter that we were from Orange County and went to Angel Games. He said, oh, no. When we told him we were from Orange County, the first thing he said actually was, oh, do you go to Angel Games? And we said, of course. And he says, well, have you seen Otani? And the, when we told him that we hit a home run, I'll tell you what, the food tasted five times that post post that reaction we've been told that they went from went over four his first night back then so luckily we saved to tell him that until we left but that's amazing you know that's the beauty of sports right there is you can have a connection with anyone anywhere from a guy like otani that's oh. just my final kind of way to cap it off he really is a superstar it, it especially in japan he is such a superstar it's really hard to imagine like i can't can't even think of the equivalent in the united states i don't think there is one with how much hype there is surrounding him, so. Baseball's last great hope, I think, to return to with dominance. All right. Well, 
That seems Wait, that seems dramatic. I think that's why, but I think that's why people are so into him. Is that this mythical idea of a guy who can be a superstar pitcher and hitter at the same time is just such a fantastical dream come true that it's almost too good to believe, and that's why I think every most baseball fans who aren't even Angel fans are rooting for him so hard. Okay, yes. sorry, we can move on. Yes, to yes. I was gonna say the overall state of baseball certainly for another podcast. Very interested in talking about it, but another time. Ronald Acuna made his return to the Braves lineup and did pretty well against the Yankees in, I don't think it was his first game back, but he did hit a go-ahead two-run homer against the Yankees, so that that was fun. Uh, Ronald Acuna, I just want to remind everybody that he was considered a can't-miss prospect not three months ago, and I, I can't think of any reason to think that anything's changed there i think acuna is going to be amazing let's just watch i I just want to watch these guys you know even we can talk all we want about expectations i just want to watch him i just want to enjoy him same goes with glaber torres and juan soto except glaber torres is on the dl uh for the time being but these guys certainly look like they're running away with the rookie of the year so far so we'll keep an eye on those races as we move further into the season all right, let's get back to another wacky little thing that happened recently. So the Twins played the Brewers the other day in in Miller Park. They were away for this interleague game, and they did not record a single out at first base. I think Joe Maurer was playing first base for the Twins that day. Did not touch a ball, which is unbelievable, really. I... You know, I, I looked at that, and I was like, there's no way that's true. And it was. It was all strikeouts or fly balls from that the Twins recorded their outs. And that was through 24 outs because the Brewers were winning. They didn't have to hit in the bottom of the ninth. But as amazing as I found that, apparently that happens relatively often. It's happened multiple times since the year 2000. I think it's happened as recently as 2016, if I saw that correctly. I don't remember what game it was. But it's the first time the Twins have ever done it, so that's that's cool. But it's just something that I've never thought of, and I would have thought this was one of the most rare things in baseball. But apparently not the case. Apparently it happens on a, su- a semi-regular occasion that a team can get through 24, 27 or more outs of baseball without a single ground ball or a single play by the first baseman in any way. Isn't isn't that kind of crazy that it's it seems like it should be way crazier of a stat than it is, but it just isn't. I feel like it's only something that's become, become more common too, like obviously not significantly, but you know, if baseball really does continue to become more three true outcomes, I feel like its chances would only increase now. That's a great point. I think that's a great point. Um, Let's move along here. We'll get to uh, some trade talks, because it is that time of year where we talk about potential trade targets and candidates. But there are two huge names in the market, which is something that we don't always get. Manny Machado being the first. um, He really should be traded as soon as possible if the Orioles want to maximize his value. Can't speak to the rationality of the Orioles front office. But Manny Machado has been playing shortstop this year, as you know, and he is the worst defensive shortstop in the league. 
really bad defensive metrics. So I do not know if that will be a concern for other teams because he is kind of mashing the ball. And there are teams that I'm sure would be willing to slot him at third base as well. I believe he said he's okay with that. And oh. he said he's not okay with that. I've, I've seen multiple yeah. reports on that. But, you know, come on. Like okay. m- Most of the teams that are trading for him will play him at shortstop anyway. Th- those teams would include teams like the Diamondbacks, um, the... Well, the Indians were one American League team involved here, but I, th- I believe the other ones were not. The Dodgers have not been linked directly to Machado, which is kind of surprising. Uh, the Phillies are another team that's very hot on Machado's trail, it seems. So they could all use shortstops. That's that that point will you know be the same. But I I do just kind of want to have a very brief conversation about who you think the most valuable shortstop in Major League Baseball is right now. You know, considering all factors, you can consider strictly wins above replacement, but just in terms of, you know, contracts and team control and just marketability, there's so many other factors that go into a Major League player that we don't talk about very often. And there's so many good shortstops out there. If you if you had to pick, like, one shortstop right now out of all of them, who would you pick? And you can give some honorable mentions too if you'd like. I just start a franchise. I would Lindor right now if I had to choose um, one single guy um, at shortstop. I think my honorable mentions, um, you know, I think Traitor and Correa. If we're just talking about just straight starting a franchise, mm-hmm. I don't think they've maybe had seasons this year that we hoped for but there's no reason not to expect them to uh you know they both had their injury concerns the past you know couple of seasons on and off and i don't think there's any reason that they won't continue to live up to expectations um past those three i just want to give shout outs these aren't guys that i'm just putting the same these aren't the same conversation of players but i think um you know, I think long term, I think uh, if Glyber ever moves to short, you know that could be he could maybe join the conversation potentially. Um, and past that, I would say the only guys that you know, there's also I mean you kind of once you get past those guys, you're kind of getting to like the veterans of um, Simmons and. Uh, uh, Gene Segura. Gene Segura is playing shortstop this year, right? Yes. Just make sure I'm not, yes. Uh, and so, like, that's clearly a clear drop off in terms of probably overall ability, value, and youth. Um, I'm sure I'm missing someone since I always am, but that's probably my view of the landscape right now. I really don't think. I really would, if I ran a team, there's no way I would trade a top prospect to make my child play shortstop. In my opinion, I think it's moronic. So. Yeah, I like, think he'll there, play shortstop. I w- well, I wouldn't trade a top prospect for him then. I think it's that simple. He's playing, and the fact that he goes lame in the way from playing the position that he's world-class at is a really bad character sign and something that I'm not really interested in to adding to if I was being a team trying to make a playoff run. Yeah, that is an important consideration also, just leadership in general. 
Um, yeah, Francisco Lindor, it's hard to make a case against him. He's going to win the MVP this year, is he not? He might. He very well could. 5.1 wins above replacement right now. He has 23 home runs this season. This is Francisco Lindor. This is not Aaron Judge. This is not Giancarlo Stanton with 23 home runs well before the All-Star break. It is really kind of caught me off guard just how good he's been. And it's I, I still find it amazing that last season, 2017 season, uh, I, I boldly predicted that Francisco Lindor would win the American League MVP. That was a season ago, so I was clearly off the mark there. But if I had stuck to my guns and stuck with Francisco Lindor for this season, man, I would be looking really good right now because he certainly know. is. You might not even be the best player on his team, my friend. Jose Ramirez, oh, Jose Ramirez is also really good. They're so both amazing. To, uh, to make that claim. And I also personally believe, you know, it's a really stupid way to look at it, that Trout is owed two MVPs for his career. <laughs> yeah, so, you can, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. So he's given to him at some point. And so I wouldn't be opposed to, since he's arguably also having a better season than those guys, I wouldn't be opposed to just giving to him by default. A la LeBron, <laughs> probably deserve every NBA. Um, but please, I want to hear if there was a shortstop that I did not mention, maybe that perhaps considered. Um, you know. Well, let's go by let's go by wins above replacement very quickly here. So Lindor number one at five point one WAR by a mile. Andrelton Simmons is number two, three point six wins above replacement. He's amazing defensively, and the offense has come together a lot this year. Four point eight percent K rate also. He. He's really intriguing me more than I ever thought he could a couple years ago with the Braves. And then you have Gene Segura, Manny Machado, Trey Turner. You mentioned all these guys. Javier Baez is having a career year with the Cubs right now. Loads of potential. Oh, I really shortstop now. Well, I don't think he plays there Russell. every day. Addison Russell, yeah, I guess he's the shortstop. Javier Baez, by Fangraphs, classified there. But, you know, we can talk about guys who who are shortstop, like who can be regular shortstops, I guess is in the same vein of things. Right. Alex Bregman is another guy who, you know, can play shortstop, came up as a shortstop, played shortstop pretty much the whole time that Correa was gone and held his own and is doing so right now. Um, Alex Bregman is fantastic, one player of the month in June, and he's only going to get better. We, we've always loved his, his profile, one of my man crushes, as you know. Um, you know, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts on this list. Didi Gregorius, not really in that same conversation anymore. Trevor Story, Eduardo Escobar. And then, you know, there is a drop-off there. But it is just kind of amazing how deep this list goes when you think about shortstop as being one of the weaker positions in baseball only, what, three years ago? It's amazing how quickly a lot of these guys have come up and made a huge impact. Um, and I don't know if it's Brandon of- Crawford, but also kind of there. Older guy. Guys, you know, that position could look better in, you know, a year or two even. So Yeah, it really can. Definitely on the up so uh uptick. But I think I don't think Machado can be cons- I I I don't know quite how bad the defensive metrics really are and defensive metrics are always kind of something to put a grain of salt into when considering. Mm-hmm. But considering how important defensively shortstop is as a position, I, I, I think it massively detracts them. I think it's a really strange case of backwards thinking in baseball like i feel like so much progress has been made in valuing guys like say jason hayward and paying them for what they do outside of being on the plate who by the way you see that a lot lately so once again he's making everyone believe in him 
with a stream of hotness before he falls back to being beyond disappointed offensively. <laughs> but, I, you know, I don't know, man. Like, maybe I'm just kind of a purist in that sense, but I want to play defense. Ironically, for a guy who's here, athlete of all time is Jeter. But, you know, I, I just don't get it. It's a weird scenario to me. And I, I don't think, I really think he's going to get traded and not for as much as people think he's worth. And the Orioles would have no one to blame but themselves for that, in all honesty, in the end. Yes, awful season. It seems to always come back to them in how awful they are. Uh, by the way, Manny Machado, according to Fangraphs, negative 3.9 defensive war. I don't exactly know how that is, is calculated. I don't care what that is. For reference, for reference, Andrelton Simmons leads the pack with 12.1 defensive war, and then like a middle of the pack player, let's say like Gene Segura, is at like 3.8. So like, so what? What's his offensive war? So like, give me like the what's um, his actual value? Offensive. Wait, I had that one second to go. Um, sorry, I have to switch between fielding and batting here. Um, offensive shortstop. Sorry, I'm doing this on the fly. Not not our most seamless podcast. Uh, twenty point nine offensive, which is twenty one. Yeah, twenty one basically second to Francisco Lindor. So well, your reward that you're looking at is so different. No, no, no. It's not. It's it's not. It's it's like their offensive rating basically. It it's not a direct calculation of how much wins above replacement it contributes because that's not how the stat works. It's such a complicated stat. But just for frame of reference, second well, till Francisco Lindor. Can I give a different frame of reference perhaps? Yeah. Well, so according to ESPN war, which God, I don't know how really mathematical they are considering ESPN, but he has one point eight war, which is like for a guy, his offensive numbers is, like, pretty disappointing. I mean, Cesar Hernandez gets two war. Yeah. Uh, Fangraphs Probably has him at 3.0, by the way, just so okay. I'm consistent there. But, uh, Can I just give you a list of guys who also have 1.8 war, perhaps, just sure. quickly? That's sure. Right. So he's right between – first of all, he basically has the amount of win above the basement as a top of the line closer with Chat and Craig Crimble and Sean Doolittle all equating his value. Um, just other quick names are um, Starlin Castro's ahead of him. Ooh. Uh, Mike Fierce, 1.8 war. Leonis Martin. Um, honestly, there's actually some other surprising guys according to ESPN's metrics, of, such as Kevin Pilar. Uh, you know, Francisco Cervelli, I guess, is an awful defensive catcher since he's as good as you could probably expect for an average, yeah. Uh, but average offensive at this point, whatever. Don't want to get too tangential, but um, he's essentially equivalent to he's essentially less value than Matt Duffy according to um, this ranking. So I ain't giving a top prospect for a guy who you can't, without a doubt, statistically convince me is superior to Matt fucking Duffy. Okay. Uh, well, I I think Manny Machado, whatever metrics you want to look at, still top three shortstop in the game regardless you know at this point in terms of value in terms of everything else um and i think we can move on from that you know we we kind of made our case about you know how unspectacular has been certain aspects of his game but still manny machado i don't want to let that message be misconstrued too far 
And we have been going for a very long time, so I'm going to kind of speed through the rest of the things that we wanted to talk about. Um, should have managed that better, but it's okay. Uh, Jacob deGrom, we were also going to talk about him because he had voiced his frustrations about losing. And he still currently sits with more wins above replacement. Uh, I think that's also via Fangraphs. At 5.1 and only 5 wins. So... It's possible that he keeps that up and has more wins above replacement than actual wins. Uh, the Mets will likely be selling at the deadline. Don't know if DeGrom is necessarily going to be traded. He hasn't been directly linked to anybody, uh, but they could trade people like Wheeler or Mats or anybody else who you know, they can get a good return for. It's not too valuable. Uh, let's move on to the Dodgers because the Dodgers have been insane. Ray is not here to, to uh, go on and on about him. So we'll be quick here, but Matt Kemp did have an 8-for-8 eight eight streak at some point in this crazy Dodgers flurry, and that is pretty unbelievable. You don't see that very often. But the Dodgers overall have had a crazy offensive explosion from the most unlikely players in their lineup. It has been Max Muncy, who is like leading the NL in OPS still, I believe. Um, it has been Matt Kemp, who, like I just said, has been turned it up when everybody thought the wheels were going to fall off quickly. Kike Hernandez has 15 home runs. This is a guy who was a platoon player, essentially, last year. And now he's a little bit more than that. Jock Peterson has been putting it together yet again. Um, looking like his first half rookie yourself. Um, and it's it's been all the guys. Like, Justin Turner has not been very good. Yasiel Puig has not been very good. Um, same with Chris Taylor, who was last year's random Dodgers breakout. It has been the most unlikely players carrying the Dodgers so far. They've been plenty riddled by injuries, but somehow they just they just do it. It's it's, it's incredible. Anything to say about the Dodgers, real quick? All right. Well, so uh, we'll we'll continue on from the Dodgers here. Um, John Gray was sent down to AAA, which was a very shocking move. Don't have very much to say about it, other than I'm a little shocked, because a lot of his advanced metrics suggest he is dominant still. Strikes out a ton of hitters. I think his K per 9 is north of 11. Um, and he's, he looked as dominant as ever, except he's been incredibly unlucky when the ball's been put in play, and he's sporting a high fives ERA. Uh, not, not the good kind of high fives, like like a high 5.6-something ERA. So he is going to have some time in AAA to work things out, and hopefully he does. I, You know, he's, he's going to be back. This is just one of those things. Um, Tim Tebow is a double-A all-star. For anybody wondering what Tim Tebow's been up to, he's kind of been a baseball player, um, and a decent one at that. I don't have his exact slash line here, but it it's not what you'd expect a former NFL quarterback. To look like so he's kind of doing it he made an all-star team so that's probably gonna garner more attendance than like a lot of other you know minor league and even major league events around that time so uh good for him i want to see him in the big leagues at some point it could happen it very well could happen this year is the main point there uh sandy leone is in the news for reasons that are less than ideal for him he struck out on a Max Scherzer slider that went through his legs. He got nutmegged by a pitch that he swung at. That's pretty unbelievable. I, I've never seen anything like that. Have you ever seen 
Anybody strike out on a ball that goes through their legs? Only in the World Cup. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how many World Cup players you're, you've been seeing strike out, but um, yeah, it, it is what it is. World Cup has been incredibly entertaining too, by the way. Let's do, a, let's do a World Cup podcast sometime. How about that? I don't know that much about it, but it sounds like it'd be fun. Um, and then also Shane Victorino officially announced his retirement, and Jason Worth also retired in the last couple weeks. So it is 2018, um, and the Phillies won a World Series with these two guys as a couple of the centerpieces there 10 years ago. It's pretty amazing how how things have changed in those 10 years. And pretty much the whole Phillies core is gone now. Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins no longer around. I don't even know if they're still kicking in around in the minor leagues anymore. I don't know if they've all officially retired or what have you, but... Um, it's pretty much done. So with that, we are also done for today. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around. I know this is a little bit of a longer one, but we had a lot of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, you can rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. And also check out beattheshiftbaseball.com for all of our content, podcasts, articles, what have you. And connect with us on social media. We want to hear what you have to say. So tweet us at beattheshiftbp. Uh, and that's for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the places at Beat the Shift BP. So, um, with that, that is it for today. Thank you, everybody, one last time. As always, Rudy. Peace.